Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Everything Kratom, the podcast about anything and everything Kratom. It's great to have you with us on this Thursday morning, and I hope you're all doing well out there. Today is a difficult day. Today is a difficult day for me. Um, It's officially been one year as of today since my uh, brother took his life. And it's, you know, like I always say, I don't like to be heavy on this podcast, but when it comes to this thing, you know, it's kind of relevant because he was a... He fell victim to the opioid crisis, though he never blamed anyone else but himself. Um, And uh, and he eventually reached the end where he just couldn't keep getting, you know, going through and dealing with it. And um, he was able to try Kratom once and uh, it was really helpful for him. I did do an episode on that in case you missed it. It's way back in the beginning. Um, But today I wanted to talk a little bit about Vermont because it's the next door neighbor to where I grew up. Uh, Kratom's still illegal there, and uh, the opioid epidemic is really hitting Vermont hard, and they have a special history with it. So I thought that I would do an episode looking at that today, and also just, you know, kind of like a tribute to my brother, and, um, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It's, it's a tough day. So I appreciate having you all here with me uh, as, I, as I get through it. And I, of course, hope that you find the episode uh, interesting and informative, because that's certainly the goal. So um, here we go. Let's take a look at the history of Vermont when it comes to Kratom and when it comes to the opioid crisis and where we're at now and why is Vermont so interesting, because it is interesting, folks. So let's get into it. So really to understand Vermont, you have to go back to 2014. In 2014, then Governor Shumlin, Peter Shumlin, was doing the State of the State Address on January 8th. And I wanted to get a recording of this, but I couldn't, and I didn't want to do any copyright. So I'm not going to be playing any clips from that recording, but you can find it on C-SPAN. And I will put the link to that in the description of this episode. In this State of the State address, Peter Shumlin devoted the entire speech, the entire half-hour speech, to talking about heroin in Vermont, opioids, but specifically heroin, and the growing crisis. He talked about how since 2000, the number of people being treated for opioid addiction has gone up 700%. He talked about how there are different hotspots in Vermont where heroin has become the major issue. And he talked specifically about Rutland County, Rutland County being one of the southern uh, four counties of Vermont, and how the Amtrak train ends in Rutland, and that's where all the heroin gets off the train. Um, So he kind of devastated Rutland and the whole community by saying that. Although he wanted to bring attention to the opioid crisis in Vermont, what people were very skeptical of is the fact that devoting the whole entire speech to this and what a problem it is really kind of makes people think, well, that state's in trouble and I don't want to go there. And that was kind of, you know, a bit, it was a big conflict that even to this day, when, when people talk about that speech, it's still controversial. So that was Governor Peter Shumlin, Democrat, 2014. The Lieutenant Governor then, now Governor 
uh, Phil Scott, who is a Republican, kind of understood why he did it and kind of didn't. And he's not the same kind of guy. It's a very interesting example of bipartisan or non, really, that this is kind of one of those nonpartisan, bipartisan things where nobody really has the right answer to this and everyone's struggling. So then you fast forward a bit more. And in February of 2018, Congressman Peter Welch and now the governor, Phil Scott, is in Congress testifying on the opioid crisis in Vermont. I'm here to thank you for having a bipartisan hearing on an incredibly devastating problem. That's Congressman Peter Welch, who is a Democrat. One distinguishing thing about Vermont is we embraced the challenge on a bipartisan basis. The Democratic governor, predecessor to Phil Scott, Peter Shumlin, spoke in his entire address in 2014 about the opioid crisis. And I remember talking to some of my colleagues here saying, Peter, why would you be advertising that bad news? But then as we talked, acknowledging that that was a devastating issue in their own communities. So even Congressman Peter Welch, who's also a Democrat, is kind of talking about how he didn't quite know what to make of that speech by Governor Shumlin at the time. And it just kind of seems like he's trying to walk a tightrope and making sure that he doesn't go too far either way on the issue. But then, of course, comes the actual, you know, then and now Governor uh, Phil Scott. As was mentioned, uh, in Vermont, the governor and lieutenant governor are elected separately. So in 2014, when then-Governor Peter Shumlin, a Democrat, devoted his State of the State address to the opioid epidemic, I was sitting there listening as the Republican lieutenant governor. And I must admit, I was more than just a bit skeptical. I was concerned calling so much attention to this problem would damage our image and hurt our state. And sure enough, initially, many at the national level portrayed this as only a Vermont problem. We now know all too well this was and is a national problem. So it's interesting to hear Governor Phil Scott talking about the speech kind of in a similar way. He is skeptical of the speech that was made by Peter Shumlin. And he, you know, also backtracks a bit later on and says that he thinks it was important that Peter Shumlin bring this up. And I think it's reflective of pretty much the everyday Vermonter's view of this speech. I mean, Peter Shumlin doing this has really been controversial. And if you ask any Vermonter nowadays, they will say that that was one of the most controversial things that still exists in people's minds today. Um, A lot of people will credit Peter Shumlin's speech with destroying Rutland County in southern Vermont. and. The reason why that is is because in his speech, he had said that the heroin train stops in Rutland, meaning uh, the Amtrak train, you know, the end of the line for the Amtrak coming up from New York City and Boston, all those areas, is Rutland County in Rutland. And, um, And that's where all the heroin gets off the train. And so Rutland County lost a lot of population the following year. And uh, a lot of people correlate that with this speech. So it's a really interesting problem. And, you know, how often can you trace back population loss to one speech, you know? So still very controversial. Um, And it seems like it's something that no one in politics really knows what to do with, though, because you want to bring attention to it, but you need to have solutions, too. And so for Governor Phil Scott, with this speech to Congress, he kind of brings up a few solutions. First, he talks about the problems, and he 
I think spends a little too much time and concentration on opioids uh, that are prescribed being the, the key problem because although that's the reason why this crisis started, in my opinion, I don't think that's why it persists. I don't think that's why the crisis continues. I think the crisis continues because we don't have good treatment for those who are in the cycle of addiction. And the cycle of addiction takes you through, you know, jail or prison and then a halfway house or a rehab program and then methadone or suboxone and then you miss a dose and then you do heroin again and then you go to jail. And it's like, that's how it works. So I think his focus on that was not quite the best place to put it, but worthwhile for context. We know that too many Vermonters become addicted through prescription pain medication. Therefore, the state implemented strict prescriber rules around pain management in a prescription monitoring system. So for the first time, we are beginning to see a reduction in prescribed opioids. Unfortunately, we still prescribe three times as much as we did in 1999. Which is a fair point. Then the governor gets into the solutions he's exploring in Vermont and how he's trying to address this impossible problem. Vermont has also made Narcan widely available to first responders, law enforcement, people with addiction, and family members of those suffering. We have aggressively used a screening, brief intervention, and referral to treatment model, also known as SBIRT, to prevent the progression of addiction. Enforcement is another important piece, but we are all in agreement. We can't arrest our way out of this. And that's kind of the end of his speech, give or take. I mean, that's supposed to be his mic drop. And, you know, while these are some ways of fighting the problem, none of them are real solutions. And they're just, you know, helpful. That's kind of how we're going to get out of this, I think, is having a lot of helpful things. But I don't think there's any one, like, definite solution to this problem. However, what's the one thing missing from this? Now we arrive at the purpose of this podcast. Kratom. Now... So the governor is trying to address this problem with lessening the opioid prescriptions in Vermont, um, you know, increasing healthcare access, um, increasing law enforcement, but understanding we can't arrest our way out of this problem, quote unquote. And then finally, you know, Narcan availability. So all that's great and all, but um, Kratom. Now, what's the deal with Kratom in Vermont? In 2016, Kratom was you know, basically made illegal, but not well. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, the two main alkaloids, metragenine and 7-hydroxymetragenine, um, both of them became regulated. They, they both were considered hallucinogenic drugs and synthetic cannabinoids. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Kratom, which is probably all of you, you probably are like twitching right now and saying, um, what? <laughs> well, so am I. Yes. The state of Vermont currently, under its current laws, the reason why Kratom is considered illegal is because the state of Vermont has it under the category of hallucinogenic drugs in synthetic cannabinoids. So this is impossible because Kratom is a natural substance. Um, the plant's from the coffee family. It's highly unlikely to exhibit hallucinogenic potential effects, so it's not hallucinogen. And cannabinoids belong to a certain family of plants, 
and kratom is not from that family of plants. It can't, therefore, be a cannabinoid. So there's no way that it fits under these, you know, classifications. And because it's not synthetic, it's not under, it can't be synthetic substance or anything like that. So right now, people are debating about if kratom is actually illegal in Vermont or not, because technically, the, the the categories that it's considered a part of aren't actually true, and so therefore, is it illegal? And it's fascinating to think about, really. Um, but you know, whether you think it is or not, right now people aren't selling kratom in Vermont. And uh, it's kind of just being seen as illegal. So recently, there's been a new bill that's been introduced in January 2020. It's being considered, uh, it was last considered in February 2021, I think. Although I might be wrong on that, but that's the last I've heard of it. It's kind of a Vermont Kratom Consumer Protection Act. And it would create new regulation for Kratom, which would include not selling Kratom to anyone under 18. Um, You'd be labeling the products that have kratom in it, not selling any products where 7-hydroxymetragenine exceeds 2%, which is um, another common criteria that we're seeing in other acts, and then not uh, selling kratom products that contain synthetic alkaloids. So it's a pretty standard act. It'd be great to have, and it would free up this ridiculous, you know, status that kratom seems to fall under right now in Vermont, where it's being considered something that it isn't. And I find it interesting that with all the focus that first Governor Peter Shumlin brought to Vermont when it came to the heroin epidemic and opioid crisis, um, to now Governor Phil Scott trying to build off of that in a more responsive and logical way, that none of these people, and doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right, Democrat, Republican, Congressman Peter Welch, Democrat, uh, Governor Phil Scott, Republican, uh, then Governor you know, Peter Shumlin, Democrat. All these people are kind of struggling with this still. Um, The thing that sparked me to do this episode is that there are lots of articles coming out right now saying that opioid overdose deaths in 2021 are likely to break Vermont's record set the year earlier. The problem is getting worse, and it looks a lot worse than when Governor Phil Scott testified to Congress in this speech. So things are getting worse. The things that he's tried have not been working. And something that I would like to see happen would be for Kratom to become part of this um, statewide plan. I'd love to see them try to use Kratom to help people dealing with addiction. And I hope that this new bill being considered does go through. Um, I would love to talk with the AKA sometime soon and see if they have any, you know, if they're putting any attention toward this. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I guess I should end this episode by saying that I just hope everybody's doing well out there. If you are addicted and you need help, please reach out for help with, you know, the people that you love, um, or professionals or, you know, I know that it's very, uh, you know, cliche to say this sort of stuff, but I really do mean it. Um, coming from a year out without having, you know, a brother, without having any siblings, um, it, it's it's hard for me to think back and and think oh I wish I could have helped him more you know so um, for those of you who know somebody who's addicted please 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 help them and for those of you who might have an addiction problem please reach out to people the most important thing that kept my brother going as long as he did and gave him a couple of years of being free of addiction before he fell back into it the thing that gave him that freedom was having a, a, a social net 
having people, having people who support you and care about you. And it takes a bit of work to create those connections, but you can do it. So, um, and I'd love to be one of those connections. Um, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. So, um, that's going to do it for today. Thanks for sticking with me through this one, guys. I know it was a difficult one. Um, but, uh, hope that you're all doing well. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.